The Rise of the Far Right in Europe and How to Fight It. An introductory speech by Tom Harris. For a long time in this discussion about um, the position of the far right in Europe, Spain was held up as the exception. It hadn't seemed to have had um, an analogous growth of the far right. That came to an end with uh, Vox, which was a a right-wing split from the Partido Popular, who were kind of like our Tories. Um, and, in, and last year, they won 52 seats in the Spanish Parliament. And perhaps most depressingly um, for the left, um, one of the areas they did particularly well in was uh, Andalusia, which is traditionally a base of working class and I guess you'd say peasant support for the left and for socialist and social democratic parties. And I think that's a, a theme that it would be worth coming back to in the discussion. Um, the, the ability of um, the hard right or far right to the populist right to make inroads into parts of European countries, um, which had traditionally been strongholds of social democracy or the communist parties or the labor movement, broadly speaking. Um, and then I mentioned uh, at the beginning, Golden Dawn in Greece, um, where, it where it strikes me, um, again, we've been extremely lucky and a particularly virulent, um, pretty classically neo-Nazi party. Um, it was, was getting something like 7%, 8% uh, in the polls during the, um, the kind of the peak of the economic crisis. Um, and it was serendipitous, really, that um, they, they misplayed their hand. Um, and, and what became of Golden Dawn, essentially, was um, uh, some of their members were involved in the murder of uh, Pavlos Fisas, who is a left-wing and um, anti-racist, anti-fascist rapper um, in, the, uh, in the port outside Athens. Um, and that murder... Uh, created a revulsion against them in, uh, in, in, in broader Greek society and led to a pretty devastating court investigation, which has um, revealed them to have operated like a kind of odd mix of a of an almost pagan cult and also quite a seriously armed criminal organisation. So, um, so that's a little overview of it. Oh, oh and what one might also add that um, in Eastern Europe, you've got, if not a fascist government, then... Um, then a seriously unpleasant nationalist right-wing um, Catholic, right-wing Catholic government in Poland. And um, comrades will have seen in the news yesterday that um, things have gone bad for worse in Hungary, where uh, Viktor Orban, um, uh, authoritarian, right-wing, virulently anti-migrant, um, anti-Semitic uh, leader of Hungary, has used the cover of the, of the coronavirus um, crisis to give himself essential carte blanche, um, unlimited by time to rule through a system of decrees until the coronavirus, he says, um, is finished, including um, very dangerous measures uh, with regard to the spreading of fake news, um, which obviously you worry could be interpreted to mean any, any speech critical of the Orban government. I mean, Orban, it must be said, is not the only threat or even the worst threat in Hungary when you've also got Jobbik to his right, um, who themselves, I think, got something like, let's see if I can get my notes up here, but got well over a million votes in the, um, 
last Hungarian um, general elections. So if you've been to many uh, meetings on um, fascism or the far right uh, from revolutionary socialist organisations like ours, um, a lot of the discussion tends to focus on like sort of classical Marxist definitions of fascism. I think that is useful and it also is not not useful for trying to wrangle with what we've we've got um, in front of us today. So um, in Trotsky's writing about fascism, he's he's addressing mainly the the Italian fascists and the German Nazis. Um, and there he talks about um, getting to a point in a crisis of capitalism like you had in Italy and you had in Germany, where um, the, the bourgeoisie itself is not really able to manage the social crises it produces and to and to keep down an increasingly class class conscious proletariat and trotsky argues that um capitalism or the capitalist class then begins to search around for kind of lieutenants who would be able to do the job lieutenants who wouldn't necessarily be happy to use all the time it must be said that um if you want a normal functioning um capitalist society uh, fascism or um, wildly erratic strongmen type regimes are not ideal for capitalism. Capitalism, where it can, uh, prefers a bourgeois democracy, um, you know, which is which is a limited and um, and uh, biased and uh, highly imperfect democracy. But generally, if you want to go around making profit through um, standard. Uh, capitalist methods um, you want a system which is pliable enough um, and has the kind of democratic safety valves necessary to let off steam of popular dissent and which doesn't rely on um, either a massive um, kind of police state in order to um, in order to maintain control um, or involves the kind of the capricious turns of, 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 of violent dictators like Hitler and Mussolini. But Trotsky argues there can come a point in capitalist crisis where segments of the capitalist class start to look towards fascism, start to look, look towards um, these kind of forces as a battering ram um, to, 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 to batter um, a class conscious proletarian movement and to, um, and to, and to help it get, regain a hold on society. Um, is that what's going on with um, people like Le Pen or, 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 or people like, I don't know, or Salvini? It's not clear to me that uh, the capitalist class particularly favours these people. Some sections of it might. Um, but they, they, they strike me more as, as populists um, with bases in, in the kind of middle class. Um, Bases in um, deindustrialized areas, areas where working class people um, have lost, if they ever had, a sense of connection to a left wing politics, to a labour movement politics. Um, but I think the point, as I said earlier, is that you can get into a situation where you've got something much worse. So, in the event that you would have Salvini return to power, in the event that you were to have a Le Pen government and they implement anti-migrant measures, um, autarkic measures, um, nationalist measures that are supposed to sort things out for the, for the little man and woman, 
who they're supposedly standing up for. When those measures don't work, when they don't lead to an increase in um, living standards, what then? It's not obvious or it's not, or it's not necessary that the beneficiaries of that are the left. It can, it can be the further right, it can be fascists. Now, what can make the difference there, of course, is, um, is how the left responds to, uh, to the rise of the far right. Um, and I'll, I'll talk a bit about that and then I think I'll, I'll open it up for, for discussion. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's two elements to it. There's, there's, there's the kind of classical discussion about anti-fascist measures, things like um, uh, no platforms, um, physical confrontation of fascists on the street and stuff, which we could talk about in the discussion, but I want to talk more about how does the left react to this broader kind of far right, um, a, a populist far right, uh, a far right of Trump and Bolsonaro and Salvini and people like that, um, which isn't necessarily uh, a matter of uh, confronting skinheads on the street, but more about how do you deal with uh, opportunist nationalist political currents that are, uh, are winning over lots of working class uh, minds. And I think the best way the left can arm itself for that conflict is on the level of ideas. Because if you've got layers of working class people who think that um, the reason for their crap pay, their crap housing, um, their, you know, the feeling that their life is going down the pan, if they think that that problem is, is down to immigrants or refugees, or it's down to, um, you know, the shady machinations of supernatural, supranational organisations like the EU or something. They think that's, that's really what's at root and what's, at, and, and, and what's at the root of their problems isn't capitalism in general and specifically their boss, their own capitalist class that's exploiting them. When you're faced with people believing in that, how do you win them over? And I would suggest that you don't win them over by meeting them halfway, by accommodating to those theories. I think you win people round to a, a left-wing alternative, a left-wing solution to capitalist crises by being very forthright. Um, that um, anti-migrant, anti-xenophobic arguments are wrong. Now, I'd say the left hasn't really done that particularly well. Everyone was very excited, and they were right to be excited because it was a big opportunity about Corbynism in the Labour Party. And in many ways, you know, Corbynism was a major departure from um, a lot of the bland centrist orthodoxy of the Labour Party before it. But actually, what they did in reaction to nationalism and what Corbynism and, and the Labour Party said in response to all the whipping up of hostility about migrant labour was really not great. On the, uh, on the question of Brexit, not only did they fudge the issue as best as they could, but on the specific question of um, whether migrant labour was responsible for undercutting people's wages, they were absolutely hope hopeless. Either they would speak two ways on the question or even, or even suggest that um, there was some truth to it. That's true of uh, the Labour leadership, but also of the um, trade union bureaucracies, particularly people like Len McCluskey, who essentially went along with what the right was saying. 
and there's 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 labour movement. There's a dismal tradition of that kind of thought in the labour movement, which we, which we probably discuss later on. But um, if you're trying to uh, find a way that the left can take on the ideas of the far right and we, when, win people over to a better explanation of what is wrong in their lives, um, that kind of fudge is not going to cut it and hasn't cut it, clearly hasn't cut it. Um, Rebecca Long-Bailey saying, oh, well, yes, people, people do want to have some sense of control over the changes that are happening in, the, in their society, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, has done nothing, did nothing to, um, to pull people away from uh, voting for Boris Johnson and, and getting Brexit done. Did nothing to, um, to win people back over in, um, in places in the North where Labour had previously been strong. That's not how you win people's mind over. Um, I think the other point is that we need to be developing an internationalist response to this phenomena. All of its um, hyping up of, of, the, of the nation state, um, this far right movement we are seeing around Europe and the world is very international. Um, it's a it's a it's a global phenomenon, um, and they they take ideas from each other and they cooperate with each other, and our response has to be the same if we're to stand any chance of winning. Not purely on a theoretical level because it it's, it sounds like a nice lofty you know left wing thing to do, but just practically speaking, because if we if we as the left if we as the labour movement want to um, um, hold up a path of struggle to workers that they plausibly think can improve their lives, then they need to see us winning. And we're not going to be winning if we uh, fight battles in our own little national silos. The problem of the uh, economic crisis in 2008 and possibly the even bigger economic crisis that could come out of coronavirus is not going to be resolved um, nationally. Um, the problem of a of a refugee crisis is not going to be resolved nationally. It's not, or certainly resolving it in a way that is anyway halfway humane and decent and treats um, refugees um, as people. That cannot be resolved nationally. Um, on on the questions of climate change, on the questions of automation and what that means for jobs, these are all issues that do not stop at the border. So. The left and the labour movement needs to be taking on um, nationalist ideas sharply and it has to be coordinating its response across borders to outline a path out of the crisis um, that is based on an international working class and, and not on a kind of imagined national collectivity and playing and, and playing on that on that terrain that terrain of appeals to patriotism is, is never really going to be successful for us. Um, I've kind of lost my thread a little bit there, possibly witted, so I'll, 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 uh, I'll leave it there and we can have a discussion.